by day, everyone, and welcome to Radio Okpop Talk. I'm your host, Rachna. This is the podcast that crisscrosses the globe, talking to the pioneers in the world of folk art, to the changemakers in travel and tourism, and to the innovators in remote communities. Broadcast from our weaving studio on the banks of the Mekong in beautiful Luang Prabang, we travel the world to meet artisans and creatives from Tashkent on the Silk Road to the Berber villages in Morocco's Middle Atlas, from the Quechuan Highlands in Peru to the colorful silk weaving villages in the misty mountains of Laos. We bring you a series of conversations that delve into the minds of these custodians of culture. All aboard, let's go. Sabaydi, everyone. Welcome back to Radio Okpap Talk, and thank you so much for joining me. Today, we'll hear all about the Luang Prabang Film Festival from the festival's executive director, Sean Chadwell, and the festival manager, Alex Curran Cardarelli. Luang Prabang is a town full of stories. Temples, textiles, rituals, food, conversations, all are rooted in stories of the culture. But with time, changes happen, culture evolves, and new stories and new mediums emerge. Film is Laos' best and most accessible form of contemporary storytelling. The Luang Prabang Film Festival brings together the boldest storytellers and the most talked about films in the 10 Southeast Asian countries and screens them the first weekend in December every year. Laos' film industry was small, practically non-existent when the festival staged its first edition back in 2009. Now, 11 years later, the festival has helped nurture a film community from the ground up. Through funding and networking opportunities, the festival has also helped the region's filmmakers be more inclusive to women and minority voices. But perhaps the most remarkable thing about the film festival is its commitment to community. In December every year, our little UNESCO World Heritage Town transforms into an open-air cinema. The entire festival is free and open to all, and the whole town, locals and visitors, come out to celebrate and watch together. It's really one of the best times to visit Luang Prabang and experience the town's celebration of storytelling and community. Now let's head over to Luang Prabang and catch up with Sean and Alex and hear about the festival, its mission, and the 2020 online edition. Welcome to Radio Pop Talk. Hi, Rashna. Thank you. Hi, Rashna. It's so nice to have you both here. How's the afternoon shaping up in Luang Prabang? It's a little warmer than we want it to be today for late November, but it's it's lovely outside and the town is bustling as usual. There aren't um, we're we're missing all of the tourists that we normally see around here, but it's actually really interesting to see the town as a normal town and. And life goes on, strangely, without the zillions of people from everywhere else in the world. It is it's really nice, especially early in the morning. It's very cool, and the mist is rising off the mountains here. It's lovely. Oh, that's wonderful. So let's get started with uh, the Luang Prabang Film Festival. Uh, Sean, can you give us a little background about the how Luang Prabang Film Festival was started and uh, what your vision is? Sure. It was started 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, by Gabriel Cooperman. And he, he's an American who had just moved to Laos. And he worked then with the National Department of Cinema 
to establish the festival and they had the first event in 2009. And since then it's grown. We've had annual events um, most years since then. Last year, we started working instead with the local department of information, culture and tourism, which is a part of the national ministry of information, culture and tourism. And so we, our organization continues to produce the Luang Bang Festival using all of our sort of trademark, the blue chair that a lot of people around the, that a lot of people around the region recognize um, the name, the Luang Prabang Film Festival. But the event itself is really, it's an event of the local government. So we produce that for them every year. You know, what was the impetus for Gabriel to start this? Um, you know, I've heard of a couple of different versions of that story. <laughs> One is Gabriel, you know, loved it here. And he, and he had a background in media production and in media in general. And it occurred to him that a great way, a great reason to stick around would be to produce a film festival in a country that didn't otherwise have one. And in fact, in a town that doesn't even have a movie theater, but that is a beautiful place for people to visit with tons of hotel rooms, great places to, to visit and stay. And so it is, it's an ideal spot for a film festival if you ignore the fact that there are no movie theaters. But it's a great place for storytelling. You know, it's a culture that's steeped in storytelling. And it's, from what I understand, like, you know, there was no really film festival focusing on Southeast Asian countries per se. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, we're, we're still the only festival, the only big festival that is exclusive to Southeast Asian cinema. Many other international festivals in the region feature it in a big way, but we we don't screen anything outside of the 10 country region. And it's one of the ways we keep our focus, I think, really tight. And a lot of the filmmakers and professionals around the region like to come to the Wild Bond because they know what to expect here. And what is that? By the time they bring their film here in December, because our festival is always at the end of the year. By the time they reach the Wang Prabang, many of them have spent a year or more taking their film to big festivals around the world with these big kind of splashy events and a lot of audience awards and, and jury prizes and everything else. And they come to Wang Prabang and what we do is we have a really high production value festival. We screen everything on, on big, beautiful screens. It looks really good. Everything's run on time but everything else about it is very low stakes. We don't do awards, we don't have a jury. We give filmmakers a chance to network and talk about their new projects and hang out, just drink beer Lao with local people and talk about stuff. And so it's a, for, for a lot of folks, I think it's a kind of decompression end of circuit event that they really enjoy. Right, and I think as you mentioned, the festival occurs the first weekend of December every year. Um, can you walk us through how our quiet, sleepy little town on the Mekong comes out to celebrate film and storytelling? Yeah, the most visible manifestation of that is a gigantic screen, like bigger than anything I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> that, that is shipped up from Vientiane, from the Department of Cinema. In fact, it's their screen. Mm -hmm. And they set this up at the end of Luang Prabang's iconic night market and project two movies each night for five nights to uh, to the whole plaza there. And we generally set up around 800 of those blue plastic chairs. And it's standing room only for most films, most nights. And the crowd that comes out is 
By and large, local. I mean, the, the films that we screen at night are always either Thai language or Lao language films, and everyone consumes media here in both languages. So entire families come out, and they're joined by tourists. They're joined by people who have come just for the festival. But it's a big, crowded, I mean, in a, in a really good way, like in a pre-COVID, wonderful, crowded way event um, with everybody watching a movie, enjoying the cool night air, um, it's super special. Like there's nothing like it I've ever seen. You know, I, I should have mentioned everything's always free. Mm -hmm. I mean, our programs are free and they're really nice. <laughs> the printed programs, uh, we print in Lao and English and the movies themselves are free and we provide free transportation between the venues for people who want to go watch the indoor films. So it's, we, we try to make it really accessible. We've had great partners over the years who featured our films either on their hotel grounds or in their shops or, you know, the back of their museums. So it's a, it is a terrific way to get to know Luang Prabang if you come just for the festival. So, you know, the festival is dedicated to screening Southeast Asian films, as you mentioned, and to specifically support Laos nascent film industry. Why is it so important for the world to hear these voices and for the region itself to hear their own stories in their own voices? Well, I mean, starting with Lao, one of the things that we, part of our mission is, is both supporting the industry and also supporting the, the development of an audience for Lao media. Because a lot of Lao media consumers, they're, they're watching things produced in Thailand. That's the, I mean, probably 95% of everything that people watch on TV or at the movies comes from Thailand. We really like to see Lao national filmmakers telling their stories to an audience that's Lao, but also, you know, sharing them with within the region and, and across the rest of the world as well. So, the, you know, it's a big part of what we do at the festival is give Lao filmmakers a chance to connect with their peers from other countries and show their work to people from other countries but also to put that work on the giant screen in front of the largely local audience. So, yeah, I think it's really like all of us at LPFF believe it's really important to have a diverse range of identities represented on screen. So for me, and I think Sean included, we're both Americans. And what I found really interesting moving to a town with a lot of international people is that a lot of people from across the world were under, able to understand American slang and understand um, American geography. And that's a large part because of Hollywood, right? And that going across the world, so many people are able to understand American culture. And I think it's really important that these other cultures are represented not only to themselves, but to the rest of the world. So that all these different cultures and identities are represented at an equal stage. And as somebody from another culture, like I often see Hollywood movies and I often have trouble like identifying myself in any of those stories. And what ends up happening so much is that like then your own self-identity erodes. And whereas a festival like this is I think really fabulous because it really speaks to the fact that um, Southeast Asia is very diverse. There's many different identities and stories happening and it's building, you know, the confidence of the people telling the stories, but also the confidence of the audience, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. And I also feel like in a lot of, you know, any culture, sometimes these topics about identity are hard to talk about. So having film as a way to prompt these discussions and conversations, I think is really important as well. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a great way to put it. I would add that, you know, to to that point specifically, that that a lot of the context for the festival includes public discussions. And we often feature panel discussions by either filmmakers or industry, other industry professionals or critics or journalists who will come and talk about things like the representation of gender in Southeast Asian film. And we've had really terrific discussions with audience members from all over the place, as well as people from Southeast Asia by, as Alex said, starting with the film and then just talking together about it, right? So it's a, and, and we do that, we'll sit in a lawn outside the, the Sofitel in the, you know, in the beautiful garden there and just chat about this stuff. And it's a really wonderful way to engage people. So Alex, can you walk us through the selection process? Um, how do these films get selected? Like how do you curate this, the festival every year? Yeah, sure. So our programming is headed by um, Brie Fitzgerald, who is based in Vientiane. She's our director of programming for the festival. And she works with our motion picture ambassadors who are professionals in their field um, across the Southeast Asian countries. So each MPA or motion picture ambassador selects a series of films from their country and hands them over to Brie and they work together to curate some of the best films in contemporary cinema from the region. So even though Laos film community is really small, you've supported and nurtured several filmmakers who are now showing their films internationally. Much of this is due to the Lao Filmmakers Fund. Can you explain how this fund works? Yeah, well, the fund also started with, with Gabriel Cooperman. Back in 2013, he raised the first pool of money to grant directly to Lao filmmakers. Um, and since then, we've, we've found money every year to give to Lao filmmakers. We're the only granting program in the country for this. We're, we're kind of proud of it. Just two months ago, we gave the largest ever pool of grants to seven projects. And that was $52,000 um, that, we, that we divided up among seven different projects in four provinces in the country and the capital. And this was only possible this year because both Oxfam and the Swiss Agency for Development Cooperation pitched in in a big way um, and said that they, they, they've, they've watched us do this for a few years and they think it's important work and we hope to be able to do an even bigger pool of support next year. And part of what we're doing, you know, we, we are giving money to the, to the productions, but we also see part of our role here as helping them learn how to get money from other funders internationally. And so we have a pretty intensive application process that we walk filmmakers through. And we're, you know, starting January, we'll have a workshop for Lao filmmakers who want to apply in 2021 to help them to develop a good application, to tell their story well, and ideally get more than just our grant money. Projects like Lao Filmmakers Fund give us a way of helping to shape the industry even as it grows in Lao, so that we can bring, you know, the values that Alex spoke of earlier, we can bring those to bear in the way we put out a call for applications. When we, when we ask filmmakers to ask to apply for support, we generally say we're gonna prioritize projects that 
feature voices that are underrepresented traditionally. And so we, we put those at the top of the list. I think because the industry is so young here, we have an opportunity to avoid a lot of the mistakes that that currently we see in more developed industries in say Hollywood, for example, right? Where, where women are still not any meaningful part of, you know, production roles or, or direction or anything like that. And in sort of steering projects and influencing the way they unfold right from the start and influencing the way teams are put together through the Lao Filmmaker Fund, we think that, you know, we, we believe we can influence that so that the industry grows up here being more inclusive and, you know, with more women directing and more people from marginalized communities having, you know, production roles. I mean, I think that it's a tremendous opportunity. This festival, you'll screen an anthology of films titled Mekong 2030. It's been a project in the works for a while. And Alex, I believe you've been handling this since its inception. Um, can you tell us what is Mekong 2030 and why it's worth watching? Yeah, sure. So Mekong 2030 is an anthology of five films directed from five different directors from the Mekong region countries. So that's Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, Thailand, and Vietnam. And the idea is to promote awareness about the degradation of the Mekong River. So just to give you some background, the Mekong River is one of the most important life sources throughout the Mekong region. Um, it's 60 million people are dependent on it for their food and livelihoods. And that livelihood is being threatened by a series of pressures, including climate change, hydropower projects, and overfishing. And so what's really important is for us to bring awareness of this issue because not a lot of people know about it even within the region. And so in December of, or January of 2019, we hired the filmmakers and then in that spring, we invited them to Vientiane to have an information summit at the Mekong River Commission. So with the help of the Asia Foundation and Oxfam, we were able to provide the filmmakers with more concrete data and information about the Mekong so they could develop their scripts more clearly. Throughout the summer, there was production, and then in December of 2019, we held a private preview of the film. In 2020, we were able to share the film across the world at a series of different festivals, and we're really excited to be able to share the film to promote awareness um, about the river. For me, like when I saw that topic, um, I thought it was so interesting because, you know, the Mekong is a very political topic. I mean, it's definitely related to the livelihood of the majority of people that live within Southeast Asian countries, as you mentioned, but it's extremely political and people locally don't have a lot of information about it and people internationally don't understand implications. So I think it was really interesting that you kind of corralled regional voices to tell the story about what's happening and why we need to pay attention. Yeah, and also I just want to add real quick. So what's different about this film is that it's not a documentary. So it's Mekong 2030. So it actually takes place um, 10 years in the future. We challenge the filmmakers to imagine what their country might look like a decade from now. So it's more to show what could happen and hopefully to inspire people to change it so we don't go 
exactly on that course. This year, you also are doing a Southeast Asian premiere of of a movie, which is new for you guys. So can you tell us about that movie from Indonesia, which um, I think is really interesting as well? Yeah, that movie is called Kosong, and we're really excited to have a premiere. And we're really honored that, you know, they chose us for this because this, this film is beautiful. <laughs> it's an animated film and it's animated in watercolors. Rachna, I think you've seen the, the trailer for it, right? Yes, yes, it's stunning. Yeah, so in, and it's a documentary. You know, so this is an unusual combination, right? Like animated documentary. And what they've done is to interview several women from different parts of the island of Java about the sort of cultural attitudes about having children and really deciding not to have children and the pressures on them, you know, the, the way that sort of uh, resonates in their community. And as these, as you're hearing these interviews, you are watching this, I think it's a stunningly beautiful animation. And so it winds up being really engaging and provocative and thoughtful. And I think it's going to speak to people everywhere. We'll be featuring on our streaming platform, which is watch.lpfilmfest.org. You'll see Kosong right there at the top all week long. So it'll be in the you know, top level of choices because we're really proud to have that as a premiere. COVID, of course, has turned everything topsy-turvy this year. But regardless, the show is going on and your festival will be virtual. And so you don't even have to come to Luang Prabang and you can access all these lovely films. So can you walk us through how that works? Sure. I mean, we, you know, so first of all, it's, it's free to anyone living in the 10 Southeast Asian nations. So I could run through those in alphabetical order if I need to at this point, <laughs> but I don't think I need to. Uh, Alex is shaking her head at me. So, but, but what that means is you can go either to our website, our homepage at lpfilmfest.org or to the watch page, which is just watch at lpfilmfest.org. And you'll see all of the films there. Some of them are screening for shorter periods of time. We have films that are only screening over the weekend. I think there are three of those and we're gonna highlight those. Um, but frankly, once you're on the site, you can watch a trailer, you can decide whether to watch a film or not, and you can click and watch it from there. Let's sort of end with your recommendations for what you think people should not miss. And I know, Sean, you mentioned it's like picking out your favorite children, <laughs> but let's do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, let's do it anyway. Well, Kosong, the, the animated documentary from Indonesia that we're premiering this year, uh, is definitely a recommendation. I would also recommend um, Buoyancy, which is a, it's actually an Australian production made in Cambodia. And it's a, so I don't want to give anything about this film away, but I'll just say that it's, it's described as a thriller and it's really intense. It's a little bit dark. Um, and it involves a young Cambodian man who takes on work on a Thai fishing ship. It's going to be great. So that's one not to miss. And I would also recommend a film called Metro Malai from Malaysia. It's set in Kuala Lumpur. It's a Tamil language film. You know, it's, it, this is, this film reminds me of early work by Richard Linkletter in that it's, you know, it's sort of this gritty scenes around Kuala Lumpur at night. And it's this ill-fated love story between two people who shouldn't be hanging out probably at all. And I love the fact that it's in Tamil. 
And they walk around quoting classical Tamil poetry to each other under the Petronas Towers. It's a really, I think it's really cool. How about you, Alex? Yeah, so I really want to recommend um, our three Lao films that we have on the platform. So each film is actually a recipient of the Lao Filmmakers Fund. Um, so that's really exciting for us. And kind of like what you just said about, you know, diverse plots and themes, um, each of these films are, you know, quite different, even though they're all Lao. So those three films are Expiration Date, The Long Walk, and In the Shadows. And I just really hope everyone has a chance to go watch those. And if you're not from Lao, you know, learn a little bit about um, the culture here. And then I also really want to recommend our shorts program. So this is the first time we have curated our own shorts program. And so that's really exciting for us. Especially, I would like to highlight, excuse me, Miss, Miss, Miss. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's from the Philippines and it's absolutely hilarious. And it at the same time has these deeper undertones about capitalism. So it was just an absolute joy for me to watch and I hope everyone has a chance to watch it as well. And this brings us to the end of another episode. I know I'm super excited to see the films Sean and Alex mentioned, as well as the others in the lineup. A little information about watching the films. The festival is accessible to people currently located in one of the 10 Southeast Asian countries that the festival highlights. You can see the list of countries and the link to the online edition in the description of this episode. Typically, only locals and tourists would be able to see the films screened during the festival. This year, Sean and Alex had to jump through a lot of hoops to get licensing agreements so that the entire edition could be screened all over Southeast Asia. The 2020 virtual edition allows people across the region to watch and participate. If you're not located in Southeast Asia, please take a look at the roster of films and see if you can access them locally on Netflix and keep your eye open for them in your part of the world. And next year, consider coming to Luang Prabang in early December for one of our town's best and most impressive events. Thanks again, everybody, for listening in and see you again soon. Kap chai lai lai.